Man, uh, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Um, it's good to be with you at church this morning. Uh, y'all, for those of y'all who came last night, uh, and you're here this morning, and you're planning on coming back, you guys are the super Christians, okay? Good job. <laughs> you guys should be proud. Just give yourself just a quick pat on the back right there for coming to church this morning. Um, it's good to see you guys. Uh, I brought my backpack today because uh, I have some props. Um, back whenever I was in college, uh, I would go to summer camps and stuff, and, and you know I'd work there in the summer, and they called me the backpack kid because I didn't go anywhere without my backpack. Uh, so today, you know, I just decided to step back into that a little bit. So I brought my backpack for old time's sake. Today we're going to be continuing on talking uh, about fanning the flame, uh, the verses that Sastry and Luke got us started with uh, last night, and I'm really excited uh, because we're going to be talking a lot about uh, the Holy Spirit and uh, the gifts that he gives, and so um, if that makes you uncomfortable, uh, good. I think you're in good company. It makes just about all of us uncomfortable, so uh, strap in, and uh, I'm going to pray for us before we get started, okay? Holy Spirit, um, as we take a few minutes this morning to talk about you and the gifts that you give, I pray that you would be present. I pray that you would fill me, help me, and I pray that you would fill all of us, Lord Jesus, to be able to receive. Give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear this morning. We know that you love us and you long to move in this place and you long to give glory to Jesus Christ. And so we pray that you would direct our eyes to him this morning and how we can better serve him and love him. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Get out my Bible. It's a good place to start. Uh, if you don't already know, go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to be there this morning. We're going to be there all weekend. I want to give, um, hey Alex, can you put a timer back up there for me, uh, if somebody could figure that out. Uh, there's going to be a miracle uh, that we're going to be shooting for this morning, and that is me preaching in 20 minutes. So, uh, as we're talking about the Holy Spirit and miraculous things, you might get to witness one today, uh, but probably not. Uh, so I want to give just a little bit of background before we uh, get into our passage this morning, and it's about Timothy. Um, something you need to know about Timothy, uh, I think uh, Terry started us off a little bit, so I won't share too much, but Timothy was Paul's friend that Paul had found. Uh, we find him in Acts chapter 14, and Paul gets him, and he brings him along for the ride to go and do ministry with him. And uh, Paul, Timothy is with Paul pretty much almost throughout the rest of the book of Acts. And so Timothy has done a bunch of things with Paul, and then but what happens towards the end of Paul's ministry is we know that he gets imprisoned. And so whenever he does that, uh, he basically takes Timothy and uses him as what you would call like an apostolic representative. Basically, he's going in Paul's place to go and do ministry and go to different churches and do things that Paul himself would have done. And some of those things that Timothy was supposed to do is he was supposed to go to churches and he was supposed to preach the word. 
and he was supposed to sometimes appoint elders and appoint deacons, and other times he was even supposed to do things like getting rid of false teachers and like calling out false teachers and kicking them out of the church. And that might, whenever you hear that, it might sound like, oh, okay, that's what Bible people do. Bible people have done crazier things. Like I, uh, Elijah called down fire on people. So I feel like that's like not that big of a deal. But something that you have to know about Timothy is Timothy was a young man. One of the verses in First Timothy uh, or in First Timothy says, you know, it's that famous verse that we put on every youth group T-shirt in every church in America. It says, "Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young." Uh, but set an example in faith and life and all that stuff. Um, we don't do that at our church. We haven't put that on any of our T-shirts because I'm a hipster. And because everybody else did it, I'm not going to do it. Okay? So that's how you're... Does he, hipster means that you did something before it was cool. And it, when it becomes cool, you no longer do it, and therefore making you the most cool. Does that make sense? That's what a hipster does. Okay. That's what I do. Uh, so that is what Timothy had on his plate. And so as a young man, those things are actually a little bit daunting. That would be like me coming in here as I did five years ago. It's been a long time. It's awesome. Uh, as a 22-year-old, and I step up on stage, and I'm like, all right, guys, we're going to change some things around here. Uh, I'm going to be replacing the eldership uh, we're going to be picking some new guys. Uh, you know, we're going to fix this and fix that. And that would be a little scary, okay? Uh, granted, he had the apostolic authorization from Paul. Paul told him to go do these things. But as we know from some of Paul's other letters, that didn't mean much to some people at some times. And so this was going to be a scary thing for Timothy to come and do. And what you need to know about Timothy and his task going to these churches and doing these things that, uh, that Paul told him to do is that the task was too large for Timothy to do on his own. This was a big deal. This was not a small thing that he was called to do. And that is why we come to our passage this morning, and Paul says this to Timothy in verse 6. He says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You see, Timothy's task was too big for him to do on his own. And that's why Paul says to him, you need, and he doesn't say, hey, you need to go read some more books. He doesn't say, hey, you need to uh, like really just try really hard and think really hard and you know, just white knuckle this thing and just do your best. He says, this task is too big for you, so what you need to do is fan the flame. The Bible says to rekindle the gift of God that is in you. It says to stir up the gift of God that is in you. He said there's one way that you are going to be able to fulfill the mission that the Lord has given for your life, and that is with the Lord's help, through the gift that God has given. You know, we say this a lot, and it's a cliche, but it's true, is that God will never call you to something that he doesn't equip you for. But the reverse also, the reverse also happens is... Timothy was called to a task that was too big for him, and Timothy isn't alone in that. Timothy is not the only one who was called to something that was too big for him. I believe that the Bible teaches that every Christian is called to something that is too big for them to handle on their own. It doesn't matter if you're a preacher. It doesn't matter if you're an apostle like Paul. It doesn't matter what your role is in the church you are called to something that is too big for you. And if you think that you have been called to something in Jesus, if you think you've been called to something that you have felt up to this point is manageable, something that is fairly simple, like, well, if I just go to church, you know, at least 
two weeks out of every month and I give 10% or when I remember, then I'll be good. And that's what God expects of me. You don't. You don't get it. You have not heard clearly the call that's been put on your life. Last night, Luke got up and he talked to us and he told us about Jesus inviting us into a co-crucifixion life to become to come and be crucified with Christ. So whenever you are thinking about what God has put on the call that God has put on your life, it should scare you. There's a reason that the verse after this, Paul tells Timothy, we have not been given a spirit of fear. You know why he had to say that? Because the thing that Timothy was called to was scary. And so what should happen in our lives if we are accurately seeing the call that God has put on our life is it should bring us to our knees and say, God, I need you. I need your help. This thing that you have asked me to do is too big for me to do on my own. And if you're here, in this, mor- here this morning and you have not had that experience yet, I call you, I ask you, re-examine the call that you think God has placed on your life. It may be time to get on your knees and say, Jesus, I think I'm doing pretty good at this on my own. I need you to show me what I'm actually called to. Because we're called to something that's supernatural. That's why we need the supernatural empowerment that God has offered us through his Holy Spirit. So this is something, this gift that Paul is talking about right here. This is apparently something that was like a big deal in Timothy's life. Whenever he said that you got this gift through the laying on of my hands. And so this is like a specific event that Timothy would have remembered. Because if you look back in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Alex, can I get that slide? He said that he reminded him of this same event in the first letter that he wrote to Timothy. He said, do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid hands on you. You see, this is not the first time that he's reminded him of this thing that happened. This is the second time that we know of that Paul is telling him, hey, you need to stir up this gift. You need this gift. You can't do this on your own. You need the gift that God has given you to fulfill your ministry. This is something that Timothy wasn't going to be able to do on his own, and Paul had to constantly remind him of that. Now, i got 11 minutes left, and so I'm going to go ahead. I want to talk to you this morning about three kinds of gifts, okay, um, that we have in the church, or three kinds of people and the way that they have related to their gifts. The first kind of gift that I want to talk to you about is a very useful gift. Oh man, I wasn't thinking about having a handheld while I was doing this this morning. Okay. I really hope I don't drop this. This right here uh, is my laptop, okay? Uh, This is a gift that was given to me when I graduated uh, from college back in 2016. Uh, my friend Brian gave it to me. He's really awesome. He got a really good deal on it, and he gave it to me for my graduation. It was great. Um, I use this every single day, almost all day, okay? Uh, I use this to get through school, uh, graduate school. Use it all day, every day for that with homework. I've used it uh, preparing sermons, doing things, making graphics here for the church. Uh, at home, I've used it to make a bunch of videos. If you know me, I make lots of videos, me and my family and stuff like that, and my friends. And so this thing has gotten so much use. And I want to tell you, there's really nothing better than giving somebody a gift that they use. Right? It's really awesome when somebody uses their gift. Now, I want to tell you that God probably feels the same way. All right? I really hope I don't step on this later. 
God feels the same way. God really enjoys it when he gives a gift and we use it. This is what he has called, to, called us to in the body of Christ. And this is what Paul is urging Timothy to do. He said, you've been giving a gift, you need to use it. I don't think he's here this morning, but somebody that I think of uh, that, when I think of some, when I sit down, I'm like, okay, who do I know that has just an obvious gift from the Holy Spirit and uses it uh, regularly? And the first person that came to my mind was Gary Fancher. Y'all, I think Gary, I really do believe that Gary has the gift of encouragement from the Lord. You know how I know this? It's because I know what the gift of not encouragement looks like. You know, if you've been preaching any amount of time or just involved in any kind of church work for any amount of time, you start to find out that the most popular gift of the Spirit in the church is the gift of criticism. People are so helpful in all the things that they have to tell you that you do wrong and all the things that you say that they didn't like. So it's really refreshing and it's really obvious. And this is, this, I'm joking about it being a gift of the Spirit because it's something that comes naturally. You don't need the Holy Spirit. You don't need anything supernatural to criticize. It just comes natural to us in our flesh. And so whenever you see something different and you get off the stage and Gary walks over to you and he says, man, the Lord really touched me through what you said. You know, I've been, you know, he, he showed me this through what you said. Uh, you know, you are, you are really gifted at this. And, you know, he goes on and he says things that are not, you know, anybody can get up and say some flattering words like, hey, good job, you're great, all that stuff. But when Gary comes up and says things to you after these sermons, you know that it's coming from a place that's not really just himself. And it's not him just trying to make you feel good. The Lord has spoken to him something to say to you. And if you've ever experienced this, I know Lucas probably experienced this, probably Terry, you've experienced this. But it's something where you step back and you know that was not just coming from Gary. And so it's refreshing, and it's what it's supposed to be like whenever a person has a gift of the Spirit, and they use it. And what happens is what gifts are made for is what starts happening. The body of Christ is being built up. You leave, and you feel, you stand a little bit taller. You feel a little bit better. Because you have interacted with somebody using their gift, and the Bible calls the gifts of the Spirit actually a manifestation of the Spirit. And so really what's happened is you've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And this is what we need in the body of Christ. Because we can't get along with just doing our best and white-knuckling it and gritting our teeth and say, I'm going to go encourage three people today and I'm going to say three, thing, three nice things to, to people. That, that's nice. It's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But we need people who are walking in their gifts of the Spirit. Okay? And so that's the first kind of gift, gifts that people use. Jonathan, where are you at? need your help. <clears throat> so... The other kind of gift is like this gift. Okay, you got it? Thank you. You're stronger than me. Nope. Thank you. Okay. All right, y'all. Christmas is hard. Uh, giving gifts that people will like is hard. Uh, I stro I'm the worst about this, actually. I shouldn't even be talking. Uh, full disclosure, I'm returning every single gift that I got this year for Christmas, okay? If it didn't come with a receipt, I already gave it away, okay? Uh, just, I'm really tough. Gift cards works really great for me. Um, so, it's really hard to get somebody things that they actually will like and use sometimes. And there is nothing worse than giving somebody a gift that they don't use. If you see this right here, this uh, piece of artwork, 
my friend Alex is an artist. He's a very good artist. Uh, we did college together, and he actually paid his tuition. He paid his way through college by painting and selling those paintings. Uh, but here's the thing about Alex is he paints abstract. That's like his medium, all right? That's the things that he sells and makes lots of money on. And he came up to me and Maritza as we were getting ready to get married, and he said, hey, I'm going to make you guys a painting for your wedding. Uh, what do you want? Uh, and so I told him, knowing that he does abstract, I told him, I want something with like, um, what are they called? Uh, the, uh, the cool colors, the like reds and blues and, or no, not reds, uh, like blues and greens and purples, all that stuff. Like something that to go with, you know, our bedroom. And uh, I told him, I want it landscape. Uh, and so like meaning orientation wise, I want it to be like a sideways painting. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to portrait being like up and down. And he was like, okay. Alex doesn't do landscape paintings very often, especially ones that are in the color code that I told him to do. And so uh, Alex gave us this beautiful painting for uh, our wedding, and it has been hiding behind a couch ever since. Alex, I've never told you this. I hope you're not watching this. I love you. But it's time that the truth came out. But it's been sitting behind the couch just, I don't, it, it's been sitting behind the couch because just in case he comes over, he lives in Arizona now, but just in case he s drops in, I can look through the peephole and then run and throw this thing up on the wall so that he can be led to believe that I've actually been using the painting that he worked so hard to give us for our wedding. Some of y'all are like, I like that painting. You come see me after the sermon, I'll make you an offer, Okay. Nothing's worse than giving somebody a gift that they don't use. In Romans chapter 12, I think we have this up here. Paul said to the Romans, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us what? Use them. He said, God has given us gifts. Let's actually use them. I have a friend uh, named John Wallace. I'll try to tell this story really quick, but... Um, he has a gift where sometimes uh, what, I, what we would call it, we look in the Bible, it's probably what we would call the gift of prophecy or the gift of knowledge. And a lot of times uh, he'll be just in public and, you know, have a waitress and uh, he will be praying for them and seeing if the Lord has anything to say to that person. And one day he was doing this and he was listening to the Lord. He was praying for this waitress and he felt like he got something. And so when she came by, he said, hey, um, you know, uh, I talk to God, that's called prayer, and sometimes he talks back to me, and he gives me things to say to people. And so I was praying for you, and I felt like he told me that before you used to uh, walk really closely with the Lord, and he actually had a, a big calling on your life, um, and you, for whatever reason, have walked away from that, and he, I feel like he's just telling you now, uh, he just wanted to remind you of that. And he said that this lady burst into tears, and she said, hold on, wait one sec, I, I got to go take care of this other table and I'll be back and I want to, I need to talk to you some more. And she came back and this lady fell on her knees before them at the table and said, I did used to walk with the Lord um, and I actually felt called to be a youth pastor, but I walked away from the Lord entirely. And last night I was praying to the Lord and I said, God, if you want me to go back to this again, if you want me to go back and just do the youth ministry and everything you called me to, I need you to encourage me. 
You see, there's nothing worse than somebody who doesn't use their gift. This girl had been called to be a youth pastor, the highest calling that there is in the world. And she decided to step back and settle for waiting on tables. But what's funny is, is this other man who came along who was using his gift was able to speak to her on behalf of the Lord and draw her back into using her gift. There's nothing better than somebody who does actually use their gift. Now, I want to go ahead and say something, and and I'm going to speculate just a little bit, but I think it's pretty safe to say, is that most people in the church today, Big C Church, don't fit in either one of those categories, actually. They don't fit in the category of, hey, they know what their gift is and they're using it, or, hey, they know what their gift is and they don't, and they're not using it. I think that they actually fit into some third category. I think a lot of Christians in the church today, their gift is still inside the box. You see, I know that everybody in this room has gotten a gift or has given a gift to somebody, and they, that person really loved it, and they used it, and it was awesome, and all of us have gotten some of these before, and they know what that feels like, but I guarantee you that nobody, especially you people with kids, nobody has ever seen a Christmas where there were a bunch of presents under the tree, and everybody opened them, and there was just some left. Have you ever seen that before? Not that anybody forgot it, or not that it got buried under a pile of uh, you know, boxes and wrapping paper and stuff like that. Just they know it's there and they just don't care to open it. I will venture to say that has never happened in the history of Christmas. Nobody would do that. But for some reason, we've done that in the church. Now, there are lots of reasons for this. You know, depending on what background that you grew up in, if you're like me, so you've been told there's nothing in the box. So there's nothing there. There was something there a long time ago, but it's not there anymore. And if you're in, some of us have even grown up in something worse that says, if you open the box, something really bad's in there. There's a snake in there. There's a demon in there. If you ask for it, if you try to open it, something really bad's going to happen. I want to tell you, there's something beautiful in there. None of you would leave this under the tree. Uh, Go ahead, we've got one more slide, I think. This is a command in the Bible. Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. That's a command in the Bible. It says, you should really want this. He said, you should really try hard to get this. We should be praying for this. We should be talking about this. We should be practicing this. You see, the purpose of this that Paul says in the Bible is that the gifts are used to build up the body of Christ, and we need that. Do we think that we're better than Timothy? That even this man who walked around with Paul and ministered with him and shared the gospel, and Paul told him, you can't do this without your gift. Do we think that we're better than him, that we can possibly somehow do it without the gift? That with enough money, maybe we can do what we've been called to do. Or maybe if we try hard enough, we're more disciplined than he was, that we can figure it out. Or that we know more of the Bible. I would say that the way then is the way now. 
It's not us. We can't do it on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us do what God has called us to do, to fulfill the mission for our lives. But we can't do it if we leave it in this box. Now, the Bible is not super clear, I think, about this, something that I'm still a little confused about. But the Bible says that everybody has a spiritual gift, but it also talks about earnestly desiring spiritual gifts. And it also talks about people like Timothy. He received this gift whenever Paul and the elders laid hands on him. And Paul talks about, hey, can't wait to come to you and give you some spiritual gifts. And so you can phrase it however you want. I don't care how you view it. You can say, okay, well, I have a spiritual gift and I don't know what it is yet. God revealed to me my spiritual gift. Or you can say, God, I want another spiritual gift. Give me a spiritual gift. I don't think God cares as long as we are pursuing him and his Holy Spirit. And so my call to you today is, if you find yourself in this third category, and you're like, I don't know what my gift is. I don't, you know, maybe I took a questionnaire, took a, you know, a spiritual gifts questionnaire a few years ago, but it felt suspiciously like a spiritualized Myers-Briggs personality test, and I'm still not sure about my, about my gift. You should know. And God wants to show it to you. He wants to give it to you. And he has something beautiful for you, as far as a gift goes, for you to operate in the body of Christ and to build up his body. And so I want to say one more thing before we go. This was Jesus' promise to all of us who say, yes, I want that. Yes, I want the gifting of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to be used in that way. And this, I think, is the next step for most all of us in the room. Jesus said, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You can take that to the bank this morning. If you ask, it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter if you don't understand it fully, it doesn't even matter if you're a little scared about it still. If you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, he will give it to you, and it will not be a bad thing. He, God, wants to give this to you more than a father wants to provide for his son. And that's great news. I'd like for us to pray right now, so if you just where you're at, uh, just bow with me. <clears throat> and if you just, uh, if you feel that in your heart and you feel the longing and just you feel stirred um, about what we've talked about and the gifts of the Spirit and you want that, uh, I encourage you just to open up your hands, um, just a receiving posture. And this might just be the first prayer of many. I'd like us to pray with me right now. Holy Spirit, I want your gifts. Holy Spirit, I want you. Holy Spirit, I want to serve Jesus by the power of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.